So we're going to go to another area of our identity today. And the truth that we're going to look at today, the constant in our life, is that we are God's masterpiece. Yup. Every one of us. You might not feel like a masterpiece. <laughs> you might not look like a masterpiece. But you are a masterpiece. So this is the first scripture. God says so. I believe him. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Guys, we're going to look at scripture that talks about how God has this amazing plan. Treasures in each one of us. Gold in each one of us. We need to know that and believe it and receive it. The next scripture that I'm going to read is um, a beautiful, it's, you've, I know you're familiar with it. It's Psalm 139. It's about how God created us, knit us together in our mother's womb, and, and planned our, the whole book of our life, this amazing plan for us. But I don't even really want you to read it on the screen. I want you to receive this into your heart. Because this is God speaking to all of us. So just, if you want to close your eyes, fine. But just let these words just sink into your innermost being and know that your daddy is saying this about you. Oh yes, Father, you shaped me first inside and then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship you, God, in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing to something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Oh, Jesus is right. In this day when we're watching the craziness of the news with the the late-term abortions and even the allowing the babies that are born alive to die, this scripture just so beautifully shows us that we were planned, we were created as a masterpiece from the very moment of conception. But what I want you and me to take in right now is that that's not just for the babies that we're praying for. That's for me. That's for you. That precious word, no matter how old you are, you can go back to the moment you were conceived in your mother's womb. And that's what God had for you. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. So out of all creation, humans are the only beings that were created in the image of God. God created, when I look at creation, that's one of the ways that I am awe-inspired about my God. Uh, It's one of those things that literally takes my breath away and brings me to tears. When I see the beauty of 
the sun or the lake or the mountains or the, the, um, the vistas of wherever I'm so blessed to be able to be and see. But none of that was created in God's image. It's an amazing creation. All of life, the trees, the, the plant life, the, the sea life, the animal life, amazing creations. But they weren't created in God's image. We were. Men and women are created in the image of God with compassion, with, with care, with love, with um, ability to, to, to communicate and fellowship and love one another. We're created in the image of God. And then this last scripture, first, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Listen to this. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We're being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I love this scripture. This is the same scripture that says, um, it's not the Christ in me, hope of glory. That's a different one. I can't remember the, the traditional one. This is the Passion Translation. But let me just go back here. At the beginning of this, it talks about the veil. It says, we draw close to him with the veil removed. That is a, a, a picture of what happened when Jesus died. And the veil of the, the Holy of Holies was torn because there was no more separation between God and man. That's where we are. There's no veil. The veil's removed. There is complete open access between us and our father. We're the children. He's our father. And there's no separation. And it says because there's no veil, we all become like mirrors. So here's God face to face with me. It might be in my prayer chamber. It might be right here, right now. It might be as I'm reading his word. But as I'm face to face with God, I... And you, you and I, are mirrors reflecting him. And this word says that we are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. In another translation, it says, as we behold in the word of God, the glory of God, we are transformed or transfigured into that image more and more and more and more. Pastor Tim says, we become what we behold. That's going to be the theme of tonight. We're going to hear about that a lot, about the truth that when we seek, we find. When we draw near to God, he draws near to us. When we pursue him, we find him. When we seek him as a vital necessity in our life, he is there like the best daddy ever just like you are as a parent when your kids come to you. We want our kids to come to us. And this scripture says, as we do, we grow closer and closer and closer into the image of God. It's already, I believe, like everything else in our born-again spirit, it's already there. We are created in the image. But we grow more and more looking like that image as we mature in our walk with God.
we're masterpieces. God's a masterpiece. I, you can agree with that, right? Yeah. And we're made in his image. So we are too. So there's two or three big ideas I want to look at today. And the first one is that because we're God's masterpiece and because of his creation and because of the gifts and the gold that he's placed in us, he has an amazing plan for those gifts, those masterpieces to be radically used. He has plans. He has purposes. He has paths for every one of us. They're unique. They're special because you're special. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. The Lord says, My thoughts, Kathy, my thoughts, Sherry, my thoughts, Barb, are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are beyond anything you could imagine, Kelly and Nathan. So much bigger, so much more. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I want, to dis- I want to define three of the words in the scripture. It's on your paper because it's bigger than they could put in the script. These um, Hebrew words are immense. The word thoughts isn't just thoughts in your brain, a mental thought. The word thoughts literally means plans and purposes. So Father God is saying to all of us in this word that his thoughts for you, his plans and his purposes for you are nothing like yours. And that's not, that doesn't mean yours are bad. It just means he is God and he can see from a godly perspective and his thoughts are higher. That word higher means exalted, higher, higher than yours. It means Jehovah's ways, God's ways, and they are always good and lofty. They're amazing. So his thoughts, his plans, and his purposes for you are way more. You take your dream. You guys have dreams. I know you have these dreams, these visions of what God's going to be doing. That's nothing compared to the bigness of what God has for you. And then the word ways means paths or directions or the manner in which you get from this place to that place. God's path and direction for you is so much higher than what you can imagine. One of the things that Kent and I have been so blessed with over the, over the years of our ministry is we have had many, many prophetic words spoken over us that are so immense that it just, it just almost scares me. But I think God shows us those things prophetically so that, we are, so that we get our vision up where his is a little bit. So that we don't limit God and we, we say, okay, God, I'll, I'll dream big. I'll, I'll put my, my heart there, even though you feel like you're not qualified or able. And I'm still in that position. But take those words that have been spoken, whether it's the word from the scripture, whether it's a prophetic word that somebody's given to you, write it down. I had prophetic words that Fran wrote for me years ago. I have prophetic words that Pastor Tim has spoken over us and other people. I have them all in a folder. I keep them. And I read back through those pro- prophetic words. And I, some of them have already come to pass. God has these amazing plans, paths, directions for us. 
Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a, it's a very familiar scripture. But I'm not going to stop at 11. I'm going to read 11, 12, and 13. Because the 11th verse is God's amazing promise for us. But then verse 12 and 13 talk about our part in co-laboring with God. So here's the first verse, 29, 11. The Lord is speaking and he says, friends, Christine, Mary, I just want to make this personal, guys, because it is personal. He says to you and to me, he says, I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Now that word peace is shalom. I've read this scripture for 15 years and I never even thought of that. You guys know what shalom is. It includes healing and health. It includes having all your needs met. It includes completeness. Having that God-sized hole filled up to the overflow. It means tranquility and contentment in every season of life. It means nothing missing and nothing broken. And God says, that's my plan for you. Remember Isaiah 53 where it says, the chastisement or the penalty for our peace was upon Jesus. And by his stripes were healed. That's the peace that he bought. He says, that's my plan for you. I have a plan for peace and well-being and not for disaster. Because God's plans are good and lofty and disaster isn't good and lofty. Sickness isn't good and lofty. Pain, symptoms, doctor's reports, stuff, issues of life aren't in God's plan. And this shows me that God has only good for me. And then it says, and he has a desire to give us a future and a hope. His plan for us that is higher than our plan is for a future and a hope. And I looked up that word hope, and it literally means, in the King James it says expected end. Or it can also be expected outcome. So the promises in the word are our expected outcome. Healing is our expected outcome. The next verse goes on and it says, okay. This is Cindy's interpretation. Okay, so God gives me this awesome plan, purpose, for a future and an expected outcome. And when that starts to grow in me, when that starts to be revealed to me, then, then you'll call on him. You'll call on me, God says. You'll come and pray to me. And I will hear your voice. And I will listen to you. He doesn't say maybe. He says, I will. Then with a deep longing, you'll seek me and require me as a vital necessity. And you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I remember when Jenny was first telling me about Jesus the healer. I was as baby as they come. Didn't know any scripture. She started to tell me this good news. And she said, Cindy, spend time with God every day. Read the Bible and pray. So I had a nugget of that promise, that expected outcome, that by the stripes of Jesus I was healed, that Jesus paid the price for my healing. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. It wasn't in my heart yet, but it was really good news. And then I started to seek God. I started to call on him. I started to, to have a, 
uh, relationship with him I'd never had before. And it's never stopped. Because once you find him, you don't want to go back. It's amazing. One of the, my favorite parts of the scripture is it says, when you require me as a vital necessity. Yeah. You know, our heart is a, our physical heart is a vital organ. Oxygen is vital. Water is vital. God is vital. And when we come to that place where he is more vital than the air we breathe and the water we drink and the food we eat, our heart pumping and our brain moving, when God is the most vital part of everything that we have, the expected outcome is that much closer to being manifest in our life. So our part is to call on him, to pray to him, to seek him as a vital necessity and to search for him with all our heart. To make him be who he is, which is the constant in our life. The next scripture, God's plan, purpose, and path for you. This is Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. And he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. That's a good promise, isn't it? So the first four words in here, in all your ways. When I read that, I believe it means in every facet of your life. The word ways, remember, is your paths, your directions, your manners. So in every path of your life, whether it's right now for healing, that might be number one, and that was number one in my life when I came to Jesus. I came seeking healing. Everything else was on the back burner. But there are other paths. Your, um, your marriage, your children, being a parent, being a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa, um, your career path, maybe your ministry, your passion, whatever that is. Those are all paths. And God says in every one of those paths, he says, know and acknowledge and recognize him. Now, all three of those words are the same Hebrew word. This is the amplified. So the, the Hebrew word is hard to say it in one word. So the, the, the amplified translation gave us three words. But that Hebrew word is the word yada, Y-A-D-A. I love this word. The word yada doesn't mean to just know God here. It means to know him through experience. It means to encounter him. It means to perceive, not just, not just to intellectually know, but to have a connection between the God of the universe and me and the encounter between him and me face to face. It means to come to know him very personally. In the Old Testament, they use that same word for a man and a woman knowing each other intimately and conceiving a child. So it's a very intimate knowing. And God says in every facet of your life, he wants us to know him that intimately. I believe a, a big part of that is his word. Because we can find out God's plan for us in every one of those facets of our life. Healing. Our marriages. Our ministries. Our, our um, giftings, that's all in the word. And then when we pray, when we talk to God about it, he can, 
shine a light, illuminate. That was your new word, right, Alice? Yeah, that's the word that just God's just illuminating in her right now. Illuminate. He illuminates it for us. And we come to know. And then the promise is that when we do that, when we acknowledge him, when we know him intimately, then he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles along the way. Is that good news? Yes. You don't need to worry about how to get there. Suzette, we were talking about that before the meeting. There's so many times when it's like, do I go this way or do I go this way? There, there are those times in our lives. But the promise is that God will make that path straight and smooth. When we choose to know him and acknowledge him, seek him, search for him in the midst of it, that's an awesome promise. So God has these amazing plans for us. But there's another facet that I want to talk about. And that is the dreams, the desires, the passions, the callings, the gifts. They're in you. There's gold in every one of us. And it's, it's not the same. Kathy's treasure is different than Cindy's. Ken's treasure is different than mine. We all have these precious treasures that God has placed in us. This is a Bill Johnson quote. He says, while much of the church is waiting for the next word from God, he, God, is waiting to hear the dreams of his people. He longs for us to take our role, not because he needs us, but because he loves us. There's a book that I've read, a Bill Johnson book, and it's called Dreaming with God. And the gist of the book is that God has given us these treasures, and he loves for us to have those dreams, those visions. That's when he can co-labor with us. When we dream those dreams and say, God, oh, what is this? You know, I just get all excited about it. Kent and I have been talking about this season and where we're, where we're going next and our, our dreams and our visions. God loves it when we do that because when we do, he's, and, and he's doing it with us, he's co-laboring with us, there's glory. Glory is manifested. God is glorified. And the kingdom is advanced. God is the father of our dreams. He's given them to us. And he's the one that helps them to become alive, manifest through us. There is a, a I, this is another Bill Johnson um, suggestion. And this is, he says, this is a really good prayer to pray. I want to make sure I say it right. All of me covered by all of you, God. All of me covered by all of you. Kent, will you please, I know I didn't give you this direction, but will you put that Facebook post up now, please? So I saw this post on Facebook today, and as I saw it, I couldn't help but think how that prayer has been answered in this girl. Can you go to the picture, first of all, of Heather? Can, can you, is there any way you can make that bigger? Probably not, is there? I'm used to my phone where you go, Phew. Okay, well, that's Heather. That's our Heather. Okay? I wish you could see it close up. Because she's glowing. 
She's absolutely glowing in that picture. I'm going to read you this. I got to get a little closer so I can see it. So she said, I met this beautiful lady yesterday when I had my treatment. She was there for something else other than cancer. We had so much in common. She was a kindred spirit, and it was amazing. And the Lord told me in the morning that I was going to meet someone at my treatment and that I would know as soon as she or he walked in. And when she walked into the waiting room, I knew it was her. She sat right next to me. And then when we had treatment, there was only one open seat, and she sat right next to me. I can't make this stuff up. God is so cool. I'm so glad I made this connection. Her name is Carmen. I was able to bless her, and she blessed me. My mom talked to her, too, and they had some stuff in common, and I got to pray with her before I left. It was an awesome time. She reminded me of both my grandmas. It was so sweet. We exchanged numbers, and I now have a new friend. So the reason it's just, just shown to me, like a light on it, is because that's what this girl's doing. The gifts in her, she is using, she's in the middle of a battle for her life. You would never know it. She is out there ministering to other people. Something has switched in her. And, and um, Kathy, she reminds me of you. She is literally going into Walmart and praying for people all over the place. There's another post, if you're friends with her, it was, I think, the day before. She's sitting in the parking lot outside of Walmart. And she took a little uh, uh, instant FaceTime video and posted it. And she's crying. She's crying. And it's not tears. It's tears of joy because she had this God connection in Walmart. And she got to pray for this person. And she's just in awe. And she, she posted another post about the gifts and the callings in, life, in her life. And I believe that there's just something rising up in her. And she's saying yes to God. She's co-laboring with God. Wherever we're at, we all have different treasures, different gifts, where we can co-labor with God. I have a few um, things that I want to share. Miss Joy, 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 Joy. One of her gifts, she's got a lot of them, but one of her gifts, as most of you already have figured out, is baking and cooking, and loving people through that gift. She calls it feed and seed. Because she's not just cooking, she's praying. And she says, when she cooks, she says, okay, Jesus, get in there. <laughs> Tickles me. And then people will say, this is amazing. What did you do? What's in here? And she says, there's a little bit of Jesus. But she just loves to minister through her cooking. My daughter-in-law does that too. In fact, I was telling Allison about my daughter-in-law who loves to cook, but she does more soups and, and breads and muffins and things like that. She's a health, healthy, healthy, healthy girl, so everything's super healthy. But she takes her homemade, beautiful, rich, um, nutritious soups and, and, and homemade breads that are made with all like oat flowers and natural sweeteners and everything. And she takes those to families that need healthy food. And she loves to do it. She calls it her soup ministry. And I told her the same thing as Alice. I said, pray over it when you're making it. Don't just make it. Pray over it. Pray into it. You know? So that's a gift. Um, we've got our Barb and Mary Lou and, and, um, and um, Dale. That's the third one. Dale, Mary Lou, and, and Barb that come every day at 6 o'clock. They're always here. And they've just got this desire to just help 
and to serve and to, you know, help with administration and hospitality and, and to greet you with a smile. That's a gift. And they're co-laboring with God to, um, to glorify him. And they can be, every gift, everybody's gift's different. Kathy's gift is evangelism. I mean, she just thrives on going out and going into the streets and ministering to the people in the streets and, and seeing lives drawn to God through the light in her. We all have different gifts. One of the things that I look back in my, in my childhood, and it just, it just, I just can't believe how amazing God is and how his plans and purposes have been planted in us for, at, very often at a very young age. And when I was a little girl, I was a preschooler. I remember driving, I lived in Edmore. Nobody knows where Edmore is, but it's a little tiny town. You know where it is? Really? Oh, a street. Okay, well, it's a little town. It's right in the middle of Michigan. I get my hand going the right way, right there. And it's close to Mount Pleasant. And so every time we would drive through Mount Pleasant and by Central Michigan University, when I was a preschooler, I would tell my mom and dad, I want to be a teacher when I grow up, and I want to go to Central Michigan University. And I never changed my mind. That's the only thing I wanted to be. That's where I wanted to go to college. There was never any question, and that's what I did. I grew up. I went to Central. That's where I met my amazing husband. So God sometimes kills two birds with one stone. <laughs> he lived right across the hall from me. God put him right there for me and me right there for him. And, and, and all I ever wanted to do was teach. Do you think God had a plan? Yeah. And, and then I had all of those years in the public school growing in that gift. Developing. That's what he does. He refines. He develops. He matures. And then he, you know, launches those gifts. It's pretty cool. Let's see. Who else do I have on my list? I got a bunch of you guys. Um, my husband, my amazing husband, his gifts are completely different than mine technology and website design and, and administration stuff. And, but without Kent, the word wouldn't be going out. And because of Kent, the word is going out. Um, another one of his gifts is craftsmanship and building. And right now he's the project manager for Fran and Tom's new church. And he, you, you, a lot of you know Fran and Tom. And, and he can do that. He's really good at it. He loves doing it. And so he's being a blessing to the kingdom of God by, in that way. So we can use our gifts in all different ways. Um, two more. My son, Chad, is a finance guy. That's what his degree is in. He's really good at it. He's got an awesome job in finance. But he uses that in a lot of other ways. So he's on the board of, uh, for a Christian school. And he gives his time to the school to be their financial, I don't know what it's called, but their, their financial head in that in that parochial school. And he does the same thing in the church that he's a member of. He's their finance person because he's good at that and it's his gift. And then the last one is my daughter-in-law, um, the same one that loves to cook, is a graphic designer. Guess who designed all my books? <laughs> all the cover art, all of the layout, our, our business cards, our website design. It's all Kay. So they, they've just taken, and, and that's what God wants us to do. He gives us dreams. He puts those treasures in us, and he says, okay, co-labor with me, and we'll release it to the world together. It's awesome. 
There's a scripture, Romans 11:29, that says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. I called Pastor Tim on the way here. He didn't answer, but I called him and I'm talking to him and that's what I spoke over him. I said, the, the word says that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. They're never taken back. They're never, God doesn't say, okay, you're done. Those treasures are there. Yeah, they can lay dormant, but he wants to breathe life into us. One more story. Um, there's a man named Lee Bonner, lives in Nevada, and he was a pastor. And he was a pastor in a, a Baptist church, and then he got divorced. And when he got divorced from his wife, he, had, he could no longer be a pastor. A pastor in the Baptist church. So he was stripped of his, of his, yeah, ordination or whatever. But that calling is irrevocable. And he is called into that role, into that, that gift of being a pastor. When Chad and Kay were first starting their walk with God, he is the one that pastored them. He took them to the church where they still go and just helped them to be comfortable. You know, sometimes it's hard to go to a new church by yourself. He took them. He had a Bible study in his home and he invited them into his home and he was their first teacher of the word in a small group environment. He pastored them. He's the one that grew them and built them up as they started to know Jesus. When they got engaged, they were, um, they got they met on Heavenly Mountain. Kathy, you'll love this because they're both avid skiers. So is Kathy. And then um, they got engaged on Heavenly Mountain. So when they, Chad was ready to ask her to marry him, they went on this off, you know, back path, not where everybody else was. And they stopped and Chad got down on his knee and asked her to marry him. And, and then Chad had planned, Kay didn't know it, but Chad had planned for a celebration when they all got to the bottom at the ski lodge and all of their friends, a bunch of friends were there and Lee was there, Lee Bonner. And the first thing they did was Lee prayed over Chad and Kay and their engagement and their upcoming marriage. And then... Chad and Kay wanted that man to marry them. So he went and got licensed so that he was legal to marry them. He still has a pastor's heart. That never changed because the calling's irrevocable. And that's the man that married them outside by Lake Tahoe in February 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, so gifts and callings are irrevocable. So what I want to do before I go to the last point right now is I just want to pray into that. Father, Right now, no matter where we are at, no matter how many um, distractions have come at us like arrows, I pray right now that you renew and refresh the visions that you've given us, the prophetic words that have been spoken over us, the dreams, the desires the gifts, the gold. Show it to us again, Father. I pray especially for those who are um, in our, our senior years. And I pray over Pastor Tim right now, Father, that we never say that we're, we're done or too old or we're not able because of age. But we say, God, what can we do now? Show us this season. Show us how we can um, be that 
co-laborer with you wherever we're at, whatever season we're in, just like Heather is right now. I pray right now that God just gives you a picture. That he just gives you a picture and a desire. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for breathing life into our desires and our dreams. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's one more point on your paper. It says, surrender all. Living a surrendered life is the way that we can put ourselves into the hands of the master so he can create a masterpiece. We have a free will. God won't go against our free will. If we say no, if we keep him asleep in there and say, I'm not, I'm not taking that step. That's way beyond my comfort zone. If we're not putting ourselves into his hand completely, he can't create a masterpiece with us. I've often used the example of Kent again, who is a craftsman. He's a really good builder, a really good craftsman, but unless his tools are in his hands, he can't do anything. He needs those tools in his hands. He needs the materials in his hands. We're the same way with God. In order for God to breathe life into those dreams and to co-labor with us, we have to surrender and let him breathe life into us and let him be that, that potter with us the clay. And one of the ways that we do that is by giving him lordship over every area of our life. When we ask Christ to be in our heart, there's two aspects. Jesus did the work. The work is done. He did it at the cross. Our part in receiving it is believing, believing and declaring with our mouth. And when we do that, all of the benefits of our redeemer become ours. He's our savior. He saved us from sin. He saved us from sickness. He saved us and and rescued us and redeemed us and all of that. He's our savior. And that's excellent. We love it. We need it. We talk about it in here all the time because we need to know what we've been redeemed of in order to receive the gift. But there's more. We don't just invite Jesus to be our savior. We also invite him to be the Lord of our life. And those are two completely different components. God is our savior or Jesus as our savior is accepting the gift, the grace and everything that was purchased for us. But lordship means that we let him be in control. We get out of his way. We relinquish control. And that's hard for adult people in America because we've been taught to set goals and work, 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 and achieve it, and you can do it, and we're in control, and we're independent, etc., etc. God says, no, that's not my best for you. He desires for us to give him lordship. He won't take it. He won't do it unless we give him lordship over our lives. In my life, it happened in degrees. It started out with health. I needed him. I couldn't fix it by myself. So I gave him lordship over that part of my life. And that was awesome. Because I could let go of that burden. I didn't have to fix it. I didn't have to know how to do it. But after I received my healing, I realized that I was holding on to a whole lot. 
My first area that I really gave him after my healing was my career because I was a workaholic. And I knew I was a workaholic and my life was way out of balance. And I said, God, I don't want that. I want you to be the Lord over my work. I want you to be my Lord. And so I spent a whole summer meditating on the scripture about, about mammon and um, unhealthy mammon and, and letting it be your, your God. I don't know the scripture. But I spent a whole summer meditating on this. And it wasn't the money. It was the work and the, I don't know what it was, to tell you the truth, because looking back, it didn't make sense. But it was, my job was my Lord until I let God be the Lord over that. And then other areas of my life, parenting, my marriage, every area, one at a time, it was like, I don't have to do that myself. God, come on in, help me. I want you to be the Lord over this. Now on your paper, there are three words that I think really paint a good picture of what it means to let Jesus be the Lord over your life. And the first one is humility. Humility is freedom from pride and arrogance, from doing it your way, from being the one in control and saying, God, I let you take over. Um, we're going to go to the scripture in a minute, but it says, it's First Peter 5, 7, and it says, God, I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. Because what we tend to do, again, in America, is always want to be the one over and telling God how to do things. I've got a, a beautiful friend who's my prayer partner, and we've grown together in prayer because we've been praying together for about 15 years. But she would, when we first started praying, she would tell God how to do things. <laughs> she would, like, pray it all out. And it was like, isn't he God? <laughs> Let's give him lordship. He probably has a better way than me. And that's what I've discovered through experience is that his way is so much better than I could have planned it. So instead of telling him how to do it, say, I trust you, God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I trust you. So giving him lordship and being humble. Number two, submission. Being submissive. Uh, the word I like for submission is yieldedness. Yielding to God, yielding to his plan, his will, being sensitive, being sensitive, letting your heart hear his, his voice and his direction, his love is an encouragement. And then when he does give you direction, taking that step, that's submission. And it all starts with yielding to him instead of yielding to the world or your flesh. Submission. And the third one is dependence. Dependence. Opposite of independence. Dependence is relying on God, trusting him, needing him and declaring your need for him. It's a really good way to go. I've done it both ways. This way's way better. So I'm going to close with a couple of scriptures. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Hallelujah. Humbling yourself under his hand, under his hand, under his mighty hand. And when we cast our cares on him, that's humbling. Because you're letting go instead of holding on. 
you're letting go, humbling yourself. James 4, 7. I'm going to read this out of three translations. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. NLT says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And the passion says, so then surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him and he will turn and run away from you. I couldn't choose one. I I usually, one just speaks louder to me, but it was like one said, humble yourself. One said, submit. One said, surrender. And they're all good. So those are all words of just coming in that place of giving Jesus lordship. And the result is that when we are surrendered, when we are humble, when we are in that position of submission, the devil has no power. Now his power's already been stripped. That's what Colossians 1, 13, 14 or somewhere in there. Maybe it's chapter two. I think it's chapter two. But it says that he's, he's been stripped of his power. But he can deceive us into trying to take over. But when we're submitted to God, he loses all ground, all ground. And I don't even think we have to do the resisting part or the fighting part. I think when we are in the submissive, humble part, the rest happens. The devil flees. He has to get out. There's no hope for him. So he doesn't even try. I just pray that over you. I pray that there is such a, a, a submissive, humble giving of your heart to the Lord and saying, God, I need you. I relinquish control to you. I'm speaking right now specifically over pain, over symptoms, over diagnoses, over uh, 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 fear, and all of the stuff that comes with uh, a diagnosis. And I'm saying right now, God, we let go of control. We let go of trying to figure everything out. And we say, God, your way. I can't, but you can. I give you lordship. I let go. I cast my cares. I let go. I let go. I cast my cares on you, God. And you love me. You're a good father. You have lofty plans, good plans, exalt, way higher than my plans. I pray right now that as we come into that place of submission, that the enemy turns his tail and runs away. I speak healing over all of you. I speak healing and restoration. I speak uh, being set free from the, the enemy's tactic of trying to steal, kill, and destroy. I say cancer fall off. The Bible says the devil has to turn and flee. So cancer turn and flee in Jesus' name. Pain, go. Symptoms, go. One of the words of knowledge I had tonight was for symptoms, specifically for symptoms. I'm feeling something right now. That's why I'm holding my gut. I'm feeling something right here. Does anybody have anything going on in their body? No? Well, it's not me. I'm not claiming it. So I'm just speaking over it. If there's anything in your abdomen, I speak over it right now. I speak over intestines right now. I speak over um, uh, uh, any hernia. I speak over that. I speak over any blockage in Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare abdomens, stomachs, intestines are healthy and whole and strong. 
healthy and perfect in every way and no weapon formed against our digestive system or our um, uh, stomach or our intestines or colon will prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Gallbladder. Okay, gallbladder. Maybe that's what I'm feeling. Okay. 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 So I speak over gallbladders. I speak over appendix. I speak over those and I say, be healed, be restored in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you lordship. We cast our cares on you and we give you lordship. In Jesus' holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I have one more thing I want to share. And we're going to do a song and then we're going to get into ministry. God, the Holy Spirit's having his way. Okay, I have a warning. And last night I shared this and I realized it's probably more for me than for any of you. But I'm going to give it just in case this is any of you. The warning is that what you know can keep you from what you need to know. I'm talking about scripture. I'm talking about knowledge of the word. I'm talking about truths that are so deep in you. I've been teaching healing now for about 15 years. I know the word about healing. I believe it with all my heart. But sometimes it can almost become a callousness where what you know can keep you from that breath of life, from that revelation that we need always fresh and new to receive the truth and to receive what God would have for you today. We know from experience that God can reveal more and more and more and more and more from his word. But maybe it's something that you've already got in there that just needs a, a fire. So I believe it's very important not to ever come to a place where you say, I know, because that's a dangerous place. So it's so important to just have that, like we've been talking, humble, meek, teachable heart and spirit and say, God, wake me up. <laughs> you know, if I'm asleep or if I'm hardened hearted or whatever it is, wake me up and be in that constant position of listening and heeding God's voice. He's done that with me many times where he has tweaked something in a major way because I needed tweaking. <laughs> 